Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Are you confused? Are you bewildered? I got news for you, you're not alone. Most Americans are bewildered. They're scratching their head. They don't know which way to turn anymore. And that includes Trump supporters. By the way, now you're reading polls that say uh, people want Trump impeached on the fake Fox News poll, but we know who Fox is. We know it's run by a woman who's a super liberal. We know that. And we also know the direction that Fox has moved in. What they're trying to do is triangulate the MSNBC voters and try to get some of the liberals over there. Uh, And so I, I would dismiss their poll as irrelevant, to be honest with you. It's a business decision rather than a rational decision. I found another poll, and the other poll, and it's as valid as the Fox poll, says independent voters now favor Trump over Democratic frontrunners. So, you know, you could believe whichever poll you like. So before I get into the topics I'm going to talk about today, which includes, by the way, the distortion of the Fox News poll and why are so many Trump loyalists turning on him, and that's an interesting question unto itself. Why are so many Trump loyalists either turning on him outright or playing it real safe down the middle? Because they're making business decisions. They're guessing that Trump might get impeached. They're guessing that America is moving away from him. And they don't want to be caught on the losing side. I'm a little different than that. I may criticize some of his decisions, as I do about the Syria withdrawal, which will go down in history as the greatest mistake he ever made in his political life. You know what just came out on that, by the way, to get into a side note, side note, side note? Netanyahu has just offered the gallant Kurds humanitarian aid. And underneath the gallant aid, a gallant humanitarian aid, Netanyahu is offering military aid. Netanyahu said, and Netanyahu is the greatest supporter of Trump because he has to be. Trump is Israel's greatest friend. And in his first public comments regarding Trump's withdrawal from Syria, Benjamin Netanyahu, which is shocking, by the way, because this guy is so up there with the great men. He strongly condemned the Turkish military action, offered humanitarian assistance to the Kurds, but more than humanitarian assistance. There's more there. He's saying non-military aid, but you and I both know that if push comes to shove and the Kurds are about to be annihilated by the the, uh, the the Ottoman Empire of today under Erdogan. If the Ottomans, the new Ottomans, we'll call them the new Ottomans so it could be stolen by this afternoon. If if Netanyahu sees that the new Ottomans are threatening to overrun his, his allies, the Kurds, and our allies, he will go help them with uh, air support. I can guarantee it. You could say you heard it here because I'm, I'm just guessing how this is going to work. Meanwhile, Trump keeps doubling down, making a statement such as they didn't help us at Normandy. Where did he get that from? What the hell did the Kurds have to do with Normandy? The last I checked, the Israelis didn't help us at Normandy either. By the way, their ancestors were in the concentration camps. Okay, so the whole thing is confusing people. I have questions, but I'm not ready to ask them. One thing I learned as a boater a long time ago, you know what I learned as a boater? And I've owned a big boat. Now I own a small boat. At the height of my boating career, I owned a 59-foot Grand Banks, which is 63 feet overall, 
with twin thousand horsepower, wonderful engines. And I learned how to handle it myself. And I love that boat. But if I got into difficult waters, I learned from a more experienced boater the following. Slow is pro. Slow is pro. Make decisions slowly when you're in a, a, a place that's a little treacherous. Slow is pro. And it worked for me. And that was docking in Florida, which is very, very different than docking in San Francisco Bay. The way the docks are set up with the pilings and all of that. But what I'm getting at is talking about politics slow is pro also. I don't have to read to you all the stories I want to do right now, even though I'd like to. Because I will tell you, I have a tendency to want to fire it all out at once. And that's a mistake. Because number one, the listener is unable to follow it all. Number two, I might gobble some of the thoughts in my uh, speed cook. It's like a microwave hitting speed cook instead of cook. Okay, slow is pro. So let's go slowly together. Let me begin with, now the world, by the way, is running their policies by Twitter. Trump started it. I cannot believe what's going on. Erdogan is now speaking to the world about what he's going to do through his spokesman on Twitter. World leaders are now making policy decisions for the world on Twitter because of Donald Trump. Now, I've been on Twitter for many years, but I escalated it after Donald Trump did. I criticized them saying it's for children. But if world leaders are going there, I have to go there. So I'm going to go back to what I tweeted from this morning. And I'm going to start with 21 hours ago. Here is the German synagogue shooter speaking in broken English. Does he look and sound Irish to you? The answer is, of course not. He's either an Albanian Muslim or another Muslim from somewhere else. But the fact that it's been swept under the rug by the vermin in the media is nothing new to me. That's all. Next, an evening with Michael Savage, life as a conservative in San Francisco. Reserve your spot now. That's going to be a great event. And you can, if you can't go to it, which you can't because it's sold out, number one. And number two, it's in a secret location. Only 80 lucky people got tickets way in advance. There's no more room. Sorry. My best friends are begging me to go. So I decided to offer it on a video feed, a downloadable video feed for the for 20 bucks, which is half the price of the event, with no parking and no travel. And you can watch the entire event in the leisure of your home. That's coming up on the 29th of this month, and I'm looking forward to that. Next, at, at a Savage Nation, indie voters now favor Trump over Dem frontrunners. Why are his once loyal friends suddenly so negative on him? I next tweeted the following. Israel offers to protect Kurds. Netanyahu does not abandon his friends. So I want to read you some of the comments that are people making that that people are making under the indie voters favoring Trump, which you're not seeing on any website except michaelsavage.com. And the comments are interesting. And here's what people are saying. Because Rachel Madcow numbers are getting close to the Wallbangers numbers in viewership, so they're going left to pull in more viewers so he can perceive himself as still king. Daniel Trueheart wrote that, and I said brilliant. Kobayashi Maru said cocktail party chatter for the loyal friends versus Indy America. The Dem frontrunners are unfiltered college campus radicals at this point. That's 100% true. 1,000% true. And there are other, other comments that people are making. You want me to read them? Because you can read them yourself. You can make t- tweets about them, whatever. And I had a dream last night that I'll share with you because I've had dreams over the years. I don't share them much anymore. You remember the white owl dream I had? Does anyone remember the white owl dream from years ago when I was heavily into painting watercolors? I was having vivid, vivid graphic dreams of a white owl and things of that nature. And then I painted the white owl. I haven't been painting for a long time. For over a year, I stopped painting. Lost my inspiration. Paints are still on the table. The uh, 
they're all there, the paints, the brushes, the pad. I don't have any desire to paint anymore. I need the inspiration. Maybe I'll get there again. Maybe I won't. But I had a dream last night that Hillary Clinton ran for the presidency and won. That's all. Just a dream. I didn't say it's real. I have a fear she's going to run again. And I'll tell you something else. She could run and she could win. If you looked at what happened in the last election, she could easily swamp Elizabeth Warren, who looks like the head of the Biden-Monhoff gang in the 1960s uh, Germany when the left wing was reigning over the German people with terror. Classic Biden-Monhoffian face. Elizabeth Warren has the face of a woman who ran Stutt, you know, like, like Stalag 17 for women. Women could read her. She's mean. She makes Hillary look like a, a lamb, Elizabeth Warren, a mean, nasty college teacher. So I don't know what could happen here. I know Biden's not a candidate at all. This week, the teeth, the weakness, the sun, the sun is going to bring him down because this will come out. So whether Hillary will jump in, I don't know, but I dreamed it. Why I would dream it? What do I know? I don't control my subconscious, right? Now, we found a real treat for you, which we're going to play later on, a flashback from 2015 before Donald Trump was president. Someone put it up on my Twitter feed today, and it said Trump on the Savage Nation talking about Syria. You know, he's actually consistent in what he just did and what he said he would do in 2015. Uh, you're not going to believe it. He's actually very consistent. I do not have a problem with him withdrawing the number of troops he withdrew from Syria that are our boys. I have a problem with him doing it so abruptly and leaving the Kurds to die. Do you understand the difference, the abrupt withdrawal, rather than a staged withdrawal? Number two, many of you are confused and keep repeating, well, we only had 50 men in there. How naive can you actually be that you believe government propaganda, that we only had 50 or 80 special forces? Uh, let me ask you a logical question. Do you think 50 of our men can hold off the entire Turkish army and air force? Of course not. No, we didn't have 50 men there. We had an entire brigade there, if not more. They don't tell you how many men we have there. Why would they give away secrets, war secrets? So why pull them all back all at once? Why not do a stage withdrawal? Now, one, I'm going to back up a little bit now because I'm, I'm really into my big picture here. I've been watching a documentary in pieces on Netflix on the Vietnam War. I don't like Peter Coyote's voice. I don't like the filmmaker. They're both radical left-wingers. They made our troops look like baby killers and murderers while glorifying Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Cong. It's disgusting. In fact, if well, I don't want to go into what I would do or wouldn't do. They are enemies and traitors, both of them. Who was the one who did that documentary on Vietnam? I forget. He's a real slimeball. Ken Burns, a real left-wing slimeball. He did one on the, v on, on the Civil War also that was disgusting. Everything's twisted. But look, he's allowed to be a propagandist for the enemies of America. He's, he's entitled to it. We live in a free country. But what I'm getting at is I watched what happened after the Tet Offensive. Now, you believe that the Viet Cong who launched the Tet Offensive won that battle. They lost through great blood and sacrifice of our men, mainly our Marines, at one battle after another. Great cost of American lives and South Vietnamese troops, the Arvin troops. The Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese, reg North Vietnamese regulars lost the Tet Offensive. But you know why they won the Tet Offensive? Because of Walter Cronkite and other left-wing operatives in the media. Here's what I'm getting at. 
the very same thing that was done during the Vietnam War by the vermin in the media to undermine America and our military is being done right now by the vermin in the media. Is that a clear enough statement? I see Jim shaking his head. Amen. Both Jim and Robert, I give you an amen. And that's hard to get these two to respond. They're used to working with the genius, Michael. They don't respond anymore. They expect genius. But this hit a new gong for them. Exactly what LBJ said to the media as to their taking the side of the enemy and undermining the American military, undermining the American position in Vietnam, and swaying public opinion against the military is being done today against Donald Trump, by the way. The same exact forces, it's an intergenerational socialism or an international inter, intergenerational uh, world government mentality, an intergenerational thing is operating in the U.S. media. They are enemies of the people. They're the ones who got your boys killed in Vietnam. They are the reason that we had to leave Vietnam with our tails between our legs. We didn't lose a single battle in Vietnam. Ask men who fought over there. We certainly didn't lose in the Tet Offensive. And uh, you can go down the whole list and you'll know I'm right. But here's one last point to Vietnam, because it's very telling about who the communists are in, in this country. As the Vietnamese were withdrawing, as the NVA were withdrawing and the Viet Cong were withdrawing from Saigon, they thought they'd overrun the cities, take over Saigon, but the U.S. Marines beat them back. As they were withdrawing from Saigon, they killed numerous men, women, and children, South Vietnamese civilians. They slaughtered them mercilessly. As the Viet Cong, the friends of Jane Fonda and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, were withdrawing from Huey. They buried South Vietnamese alive. Do you know why? They interviewed some of these old communist bastards who are still alive. And they said, because we were afraid that they could identify us because we lost the battle. You see, there was a communist group in all cities hiding as civilians, just as there are in America today. There was, there were, very, very large communist cells in every city in South Vietnam waiting for the invasion to come out of the woodwork and kill patriotic South Vietnamese. Just as they're hiding in plain sight here in America today, they're waiting for the right opportunity to kill us. I'm telling you as I stand here, I can smell it. I can see it. I'm clairvoyant. I'm living in the reality of what's going on. The communist movement in America today is implanted in almost every American newsroom in almost every American university, in almost every aspect of American culture, there are inactive and passive and very active and very unpassive members of the Communist Party who are just like the Viet Cong. And if you say, I am getting hysterical, you are wrong. Just look at Nazi Fa. Nazi Fa are the stormtroopers of those people. Nazi Fa, if they could, would go door to door and kill anyone who was a patriot if, God forbid, one of their uh, cohorts became the president of this nation. And I'll tell you more when I come back about how I know all of this in a minute on The Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. So here are the main topics today. Independent voters now favor Trump over Democratic frontrunners, yet the Fox poll under the liberal lady who runs Fox continues to put out biased polls against Donald Trump. Judge Napolitano, who we call plugs, I know you call Biden plugs, but Napolitano is a weird guy. I used to like him years ago, and then I saw that 
He got really angry at Donald Trump because he wasn't made a Supreme Court justice, and he became a hateful Judas. That's a well-known story. Napolitano used to be a reliable source, but he's so blinded by the fact that he was passed over by Trump that he's an anti-Trumper. They're all anti-Trumpers. And I'm asking you, why are so many other people jumping ship? And the answer is it's a business decision. They, they think the winds are blowing against Trump. They think Trump will be impeached, which he will be because of the corrupt Democrat Congress, which has altered all of the rules, by the way, changed all of the uh, elements of American jurisprudence, invented an entire narrative to crucify him. Of course, these vermin will impeach him. Our only hope is that the turncoats in the Republican Party wake up and they don't go along with the Democrats because if they do, it's the end of the Republican Party forever. Topic two, Israel offers to protect the Kurds. Netanyahu says he does not abandon his friends. Now, you say, well, it's only humanitarian aid. That's like saying you believe there are only 50 American troops that were withdrawn. I mean, don't be a child believing in Santa Claus, would you please? The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Can you hear me now? This is Michael Savage. And you know what's interesting today? I can get callers when we need them or want them. There are no callers not right now. Do you know why? Because I didn't ask for any. And do you know why you're not calling? Because I'm in one of my loquacious moods where I'm delivering such high-powered information in such a manner that most people just want to listen. They don't want to even call in. There's nothing to say. I filled up all the space, black and white together. There are no spaces between my letters. There's nothing you could add to what I'm saying. So I say Israel offers to protect the Kurds. Netanyahu does not abandon his friends. You can't. What are you going to say to that? Or I say indie voters now favor Trump over them frontrunners. Why are his once loyal friends suddenly so negative on him? No answers. I mentioned an evening with Michael Savage, life as a conservative in San Francisco, and you have no questions about the event and why you can't get in. By the way, I'm going to do a little thing. They told me not to do it. Jim said don't do it. But I wrote a few of my couplets, you know, from blank to blank. Remember that? From blank to Remember I used to do that? People are now copying it. It's fun. So I said, when I'm in front of the audience on October 29th, or for those who are going to download it, I'm going to write them something original. So I started to think, how is San Francisco? I woke up at like three in the morning the other night. My mind was active. Thank God for the Internet. I have a very active mind. The age before the Internet, there was nothing to do at three in the morning. Except, what, what could you do three in the morning before the internet? Nothing. Now you could go right to your computer and you could go anywhere in the world. You know, there's a lot of negativity about the internet. But for me, it's been one of the greatest advances in my life to be able to go three in the morning to do anything I want. Science, poetry, uh, look up cars. I, it's amazing how much fun I have. But my mind was very active and it was spitting out couplets like this of how San Francisco has changed over the last 50 years. From women in white gloves to women with white doves. From old men with canes to young men with pains. From Telegraph Hill to Telegraph Pills. From Russian Hill to Suspicionville. From Pacific Heights to Pacific Fights. From the SF Cron to the SF Non. From open windows to broken windows. From men in ties to men all tied. From strollers to leashes. From children to pet chickens. From Chinatown trinkets to fentanyl clinkets. From Broadway to Broadway. From Fisherman's Wharf to Fishymen's Dwarfs. From the Golden Gate to a State of Hate. From Bella Lugosi to Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> from Frankenstein to Diane Feinstein. 
from cable cars to unstable bars, from San Quentin prison to social justice heathens. I got to work on that one. From hush puppies to hushed yuppies. From Here's my favorite. From Tippy Hedron in The Birds to San Francisco street turds. I, I think it's got some merit. I'll start working on it a little bit more between now and the 29th. And if you can't be there, which you can't be there, unless you're one of the lucky ones who got a ticket, you could actually go and reserve your spot right now uh, on michaelsavage.com or Twitter and click on it. For the price of a beer or a glass of wine, you can be with us that night. And the beauty is you can turn it on and off and watch it on demand. Anyway, here we are. I get some callers now all of a sudden because I said there are no callers. And the phone number is 855-400-728. I want to throw out one other original idea at this time. Donald Stonewall Trump is the toughest president in history. He is like Stonewall Jackson, but he's actually a, he's a variety of Stonewall Jackson, but stronger. I don't know that he's going to resign like they say. Oh, he can't take it. Actually, I think he doubles down. The more they rip into him with lies, the tougher he gets. I don't think they're going to drive him out of office. I think he's going to drive them out of office. They're going to wind up in handcuffs, not him, as I said to you two weeks ago. That doesn't mean that I agree with his pull out of uh, Syria and abandonment of the Kurds. I don't. What you people don't understand, many of you, is that you could be very loyal to a president and disagree with him on certain issues. Where are you? Where do you see it written that if you're loyal to a president, you have to support every breath he takes and put him on a godhead? He's not God. He's not God. I disagree with him on how he did this. He should have had a planned, strategic, slow withdrawal from the Kurdish territories. Slow is pro. This was done overnight. It was done helter-skelter. They had a call on Sunday night with Erdogan, the Hitler of the Middle East. By the way, Erdogan's off his, off his meds. He's going crazy. Erdogan attacked, verbally attacked everyone in the Middle East. He attacked Saudi Arabia. He attacked Egypt. Did you know that? Erdogan is now going crazy. He's gone 100% rogue. Erdogan is the new uh, emperor of the Ottoman Turks. Uh, and you know how that ended, don't you? Ask any Greek who knows their own history. They'll tell you how it ended. So if you care to comment on any of this, fine. That's okay. We have so many things I could do right now, but I guess this is what I'm going to do right now and take some calls. Let's see. Phoenix, Arizona, Mike, line three. What's on your uh, on your mind, Mike? Uh, Michael, I think, uh, and I voted for him, but I think President Trump's in big trouble here. I think he gets impeached. It goes to the Senate, and I think there's, they need uh, two-thirds vote. They need basically 20 Republicans to flip, and I think that they easily find 20 Republicans who he offended through the election, guys like Ted Cruz, uh, Mitt Romney. I think you got some republic. Uh, Let's talk about those two. Uh, Cruz will not turn on him. Romney already has. Romney's a slime ball. Romney's already working to undermine him. No, I don't think Ted Cruz is that weak a man that he's going to turn on him and vote against him in impeachment. Never. I don't think so. Because if he did, uh, I think he'd be thrown out of office. He'd never be a senator again. His own loyalists wouldn't vote for him. Yeah. In other words, why, why vote for a Republican who would turn on Trump in the Senate when you could vote for a Democrat and have the same thing? He is in Texas, and they're going to vote for him over a Democrat. And also, remember, uh, Trump made it very personal with Cruz about his family and his wife. Yeah, yeah, no, that was pretty, pretty mean. And I also think that in this Ukraine investigation, Biden gets uh, either he's forced to uh, withdraw or it just makes him look so bad that. Yeah, no, no, Biden's toast already. It's too much with the, the sun. No matter what they're spinning it, he's finished. Biden is toast. 
So so we know that he's not going to be the front runner. It's probably going to be Elizabeth Concentration Camp Warren. Who else are they going to use? Okay, so it would be Warren against Pence. I think the Republicans take that bet. And they get rid of Trump, who they've had a hard time working. You know, he's, he has undercut a lot of people. Well, you just said something interesting. And you I said also think... Trump, you, wait, you said Trump's going to be taken out and Pence will become president. What did I teach the audience last week? I taught you that... The most devious, dangerous woman in American political history, Nancy Pelosi. She is as corrupt as they come. Everyone knows that. Pelosi is trying to decapitate Pence and Trump at the same time. She is the absolute dream nightmare for the radical left and the criminal elements of America. She wants to take out Pence by tying him to the Ukraine call. So be very careful here because Pelosi is eyeing up, knocking out Two major domos of the Republican side and becoming president before any of this even happens. I don't think there's enough to tie pants. And there's also a one-year timeline for all of that to happen. It would be hard enough to even get Trump. But you do agree Pelosi's dreaming of doing it, and she has her minions in the media trying to tie <laughs> pants to Trump. We can all see that. I'm sure she does, but I also would think that Pelosi, like Trump, has a lot of people dislike her in the, in the House but can't do say much because she's the Speaker. So... I think she's in kind of a tenuous position, and uh, I also think that this the decision with the troops, like with the Kurds, also upset a lot of these Republican senators. To it figure did. It did. And, and they're not all they're not all neocons. They're not all warmongers, as is so conveniently be, <coughs> being said by the true believers. That's not not exactly true. So uh, yes, there are a lot of people, including many in the military, who are very disturbed by Trump's abrupt withdrawal i have to emphasize on that word i didn't say we shouldn't get out of syria i said the abrupt nature of the withdrawal is the issue would you agree with me on that yeah but i would have to say that president trump's nature is abrupt isn't it he does things just off you know off the spur of the moment so i mean uh, yes that's right and that can be very good and it can be very dangerous right and in this situation, it might be dangerous. But Well, here's the problem. We've all watched President Trump for over two years now, including enemies like world leaders like North Korea. And I'm going to say something that I think is pretty obvious or I wouldn't say it because I don't want to undermine. I think that they're saying he's a bluffer and they don't believe any any of his threats. Look, look at look at the crazy man in North Korea, what he's doing. He doesn't give a damn what Trump says because he's not afraid of us anymore. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's... I think and he's, I think Erdogan read the tea leaves and said Trump doesn't have the stomach for war, that Trump is not really a wartime consigliore, so to speak, and I'm sorry to say it that way. I think they're all saying we don't have the stomach for a war. Look what look what Donald Trump said after pulling the, the boys out. He said, I don't want to see any of our boys hurt. I see them at Dover Air Force Base. Sometimes the parents throw themselves on the coffins. Those are very powerful words. So what is that saying to people who don't don't value human life like Erdogan or China or North Korea? What they're saying is America has no stomach for war. Don't you think that's true? It gives them the green light. Also, Michael, I'd like to just something real quick about Vietnam. I know I'm changing the subject, but, you know, uh, and I disagree with you a little bit because Vietnam did not fall for two and a half years after we left. It didn't fall the next day or week so no 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 but i'm saying that the media undermined the american war effort just as they're undermining the very same elements of patriotism today walter cronkite was probably one of the greatest reasons that we got out of vietnam but could, all they kept showing were the were the pictures of the um the, the south vietnamese officer shooting that guy in the head without any context whatsoever 
He did not show the slaughter of the South Vietnamese that pre- precluded his shooting this guy. And this guy was a diehard hidden communist who was hiding in Saigon, who was in charge of slaughtering innocent civilians. And this other South Viet- the South Vietnamese shot him in the head. That happens during war, by the way. Terrible, but it happens. But that's the image that stuck. And Cronkite made it look like all of our troops were baby killers. You're a very intelligent man. What do you do for a living? I'm an investor. Yeah, but there's more to your voice than just an You sound like Maya Lansky. I read a lot. and I. No, no, you're like Maya Lansky. I'm a retired investor. I want to settle in the Holy Land for the rest of my remaining years. I want to move to Ireland somewhere. But, uh, just- where, where? An island or Ireland? Ireland. An island. Don't move to an island. You'll hate it. Let me give you one piece of advice. If, you see, if you've seen one wave, you've seen them all. You'll go crazy. I lived on islands. You can go out of your mind. I'll be right back. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. Netanyahu offers gallant Kurds humanitarian aid. He went on to say that the IDF is prepared offensively and defensively to deal with any threat and has overwhelming power to do so. He is, in essence, saying to the world and the Turks, you're not going to wipe out our Kurdish friends. Now, Turkey's communication director, whatever his name is, who serves under the Hitler Erdogan, slammed Netanyahu on social media for offering to assist the Kurds. The communication director for the Hitler of Turkey said, quote, empty words of a disgraced politician looking at many years in prison on bribery, fraud and breach of trust charges tweeted uh, Hitler's spokesmouth. The Syrian Kurds, including the 300,000 exiles in Turkey, are under Turkish protection. We will eliminate all terrorists in the area and help Syrians return home. They're now calling anyone that they disagree with a terrorist, and they're wiping them out, by the way. As you may know, that right after Trump abruptly withdrew our, quote, observers, and we don't know how many there were, 50, 500, 1,000. We don't know what the number is. But please don't believe the official government line that there were 50 men there. Use your brain. 50 American troops were there and that scared off the Turkish Air Force and the Turkish military. No, there weren't 50 men there. There were thousands of men there, probably. And other things we never told about, nor should we know about. But I don't know what Erdogan threatened Trump with Sunday night. Something else was done. How, how would we know? Now, that's the phone call I want to hear. I'd like a transcript of that one. And I'll never get it. Maybe in history we'll find out what Erdogan said. Maybe Erdogan said, I'll tell you what, either you withdraw your men, however number there are, and let us wipe out the Kurds and take over this territory, or we'll blow up your air bases at Inkirk and elsewhere, and we'll knock you, we'll kill your planes on the runway. We'll blow them up, we'll sabotage them. How do I know what he did? Do you know? How would you know what Erdogan did? The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. 
And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. And I see people that were smiling. Oh, Mr. President, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. And I think they're doing great. And then 20 minutes later, we'll be outside when that big plane pulls up and that door comes down and they are walking the coffin with their boy inside this coffin with an American flag over the top. And they're walking that coffin down this ramp. And I've seen people that I thought were really incredible the way they were. I didn't even understood how they could take it so well. Scream like I've never seen anything before. Sometimes they'll run to the coffin. They'll break through military barriers. They'll run to the coffin and jump on top of the coffin. Crying, mothers and wives, crying desperately. And this is on these endless wars that just never stop. And there's a time and there's a place, but it's time to stop. That's a very impassioned speech by President Trump. However, there are several problems with it. One, it shows that he's a very warm-hearted, actually soft-hearted man to be honest with you, a compassionate man who actually feels for his troops, which is a tremendous, tremendous asset as a human being and a tremendous deficit as the leader of a military organization. I'm sorry to tell you, but a military leader has to be impassioned and actually have no feelings like this, at least not publicly, and especially not express them. I'm sorry to tell you, because what would you do if you were Erdogan and you heard this? It means, oh, the Americans have no heart for war. All we're going to do is kill 50 of them and send them home in a flag-draped coffin. The nation will go to pieces. What would you do if you're North Korea? You say America has no stomach for war. We can launch any rockets we want right now. Because you know that the leaders of those nations are inhumane, that they have no human emotions whatsoever. So there's, there's issues here that you, that you may not have thought about. That's all. Now, I want to go back to something I did during my brilliant opening. For those of you who actually heard me talking about what went on in Saigon way back in ancient history with the famous picture, the infamous picture of this man having his brains shot out in the streets of Saigon uh, by a South Vietnamese officer. There was no context to that picture. Remember, everyone said, oh, we're terribly horrible people to line up with the South Vietnamese. They're bloodthirsty murderers. Look at this. One of the South Vietnamese just shot the brains out of a poor guy in peasant clothing. That's what Walter Cronkite and the vermin in the media wanted you to believe. Now, the equivalent of Walter Cronkite and the vermin in the media today are many. They've taken different forms. They're a hydra head. Today, Jake Tapper is Walter Cronkite. I wouldn't even put him in that category, but he is of the same ilk, the same type, the same anti-Americanism. I just got this from a man who identifies himself in an obscure way on Twitter. He says he's called the whale from San Francisco at Savage Whale One. I don't know who it is. Could be a friend of mine. But listen to what he just sent me. Max Hastings in 2018 noted that Lem, that's the guy. Lem is the guy whose brains were shot out. Remember the famous picture of the guy whose head's being blown off and the uh, South Vietnamese officer holding a gun to his head? Many of you remember this from the Vietnam War days. Max Hastings in 2018 noted that Lem was in civilian clothes and was alleged to have just cut the throats of South Vietnamese Lieutenant Colonel Gwen Tuan, his wife, their six children, and the officer's 80-year-old mother. That was his reaction to that. Do you understand there was no context to it? 
in a bloodthirsty civil war. And what we're doing now is we're missing history. And those of us who do not know their history are condemned to repeat it. And we're condemned to repeat it all over again. That's what I'm trying to say to you. We're repeating history all over again in many, many ways. And I made the comparison the other day, I believe on Monday when I was on the air, that our abandonment of our friends, the Kurds, and I would like to say the Kurdish people. I don't like saying the Kurds because it has a almost comedic negative connotation to it. I had a Kurdish friend on who tried to humanize the people for you. I believe I had him on Tuesday or Monday. I was off on Wednesday, right? Yeah. I'm trying to have you understand that what we did to the Montagnards in Vietnam when we withdrew, abandoning them to the Viet Cong, to Jane Fonda's friends, Bernie Sanders' friends, occasional Cortex's friends, the Viet Cong, the communist Chinese, by abandoning the Montagnards who fought loyally with our special forces, we basically threw them to the wolves, and many of them were slaughtered. And I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen right now. This is a huge error. I will repeat that I support Trump 100%, but when I disagree with him, my greatest loyalty is to the truth, which will help him in the long run, not hurt him. Anybody can sit there and say amen to a president no matter what he does. I don't want to be one of those blowhards that no matter what he does, I'm going to say, yes, he's right. That's the stupidest thing you could possibly do. You're not serving him. You're not serving his supporters. You're certainly not serving the truth. And so... I aim for a higher purpose because I don't have to answer to anyone at the end except the big guy in the sky. That, that's the one I talk to every day. I, I didn't need to go to a religious service yesterday to talk to him. I don't need someone, in, an intermediary to bring me to God. Do you? Do you need an intermedi- intermediary, Jim? I mean, I, you know, this is a whole separate story I didn't even get into. I talk to God all day long. I ask him favors. I say, I'll do this. I'll do that. Thank you. Sometimes I do it three, four times a day. I don't have to go to a a house of worship to do it. If you do, God bless you. Some people love congregations. Some people love edifices. Some people love leaders and need them. I am not negating any of that. But I am an evolved, conscious man, and I don't need it. It's that simple. Maybe I do sometimes, and I'll go there. But truthfully, yesterday I had a very deep day just by doing very little. I didn't didn't go anywhere. I didn't work. I worked on my event, to be honest with you. I know I wasn't, it was like, you know, the Santa looking at me, what's he going to do? But I had to work on getting my event in place and get the uh, the announcement up on, on my, my website, michaelsavage.com, and the video and all, because I do want it to be a big, big success. Uh, it's sold out. It's not the money. The reason I want it to be an, uh, um, a video event that's a success is because I may be doing more of them. If this works out, I'll probably do four to six of them a year. You know, like a live event with 50 or 100 people, and I'll broadcast it as a video. Because not everyone could come. They, they don't want to leave their houses in this day and age, right? But I, I worked on that. Then I felt guilty for working when I didn't want to work. I, I was supposed to be in tune with God all day. It's a day of, you know, atonement, so to speak. I was supposed to atone for my sins. Man, I've atoned for my sins so much in my life. There's no atonement left. I'm not like a, a gruff kind of butcher. I'm not like Diane Feinstein, for example, or Diane Feinstein's husband who has to put in the show, you know what I'm saying, once a year. I'm not that type of personality. I don't need to put on a show that I'm going to be atoned for my sins and go mumbo-jumbo for nine hours with a halitosis job and wearing sneakers. So I communicated with God, and you want to hear what happened in the morning? You're not going to believe it. It's a side note, I get it, but that's how it's working. So it's this holy day of atonement, blah, blah, blah. It's over last night at midnight. 
I go to dinner. I have my normal spaghetti with calamari and shrimp. It was awful listening to people in a restaurant. I get indigestion. I'd rather eat a McDonald's hamburger and not have to listen to anyone. Can't take it anymore. All right, so you're not going to believe this story. After a whole day of solitary confinement, meditating on my life and God and what mistakes I made, and I'm sorry, and this and that, and working on my, my uh, event coming up on the 29th in the video, I get to go out to get into my car to go to dinner at sundown, the end of the day. I press the button. The garage door goes up. Take a guess what's outside the garage door. A snake. A snake is sitting outside the garage door. Now, I'm not saying it was a cobra. It was a small, maybe two, a foot and a half long green with the, with the tongue going back and forth looking at me. I said, oh, God, God's sending me a message. I'm really into like symbolism and spirituality in this nature. What is God saying to me? I'm putting a snake in my driveway. At the end of a day, I was supposed to be doing something that I didn't do, and I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do. God was saying, there's a snake in the garden. There's a snake in your life. Or I will put a snake in your life. Or I'll put a snake in the grass for you if you don't listen to me. Well, okay, maybe I'm a little too childish and primitive for you. I don't know. I'm not one of these modernistic people who makes believe he doesn't believe any of this stuff. I've spent enough years in odd places on earth with odd people to tell you I do. And that brings us to a stop set on the Savage Nation. We have another phenomenal guest, by the way, at the bottom of the hour on the issue of Iraq. Only he's not like you and me. He is a real warrior, Donald Brammer on the troop withdrawal from Syria. He's a veteran of both combat and Capitol Hill, and he has served in the military. His family goes back to World War II. He's uh, in the Special Ops Task Force. He operated throughout Iraq as an intelligence officer, senior interrogator. He was awarded two Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medals, two Combat Action Bridges, the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal, the Iraq Campaign Medal with two stars from the U.S. Department of Defense. He's not happy with the troop withdrawal from Syria. And he will be here to discuss with us what's coming next. But he and I actually agree with each other. We can see what's coming. I am not a military man, but I'm a strategic thinker. I always have been. And terrible things are going to happen right now. I can see it already. It was a disaster. It was a blunder. Great blunder. The abruptness. Please focus again on the key word here. I didn't say maybe we shouldn't get out of Syria. I said the abrupt nature of the withdrawal is the issue. Do you understand the difference? I, I sometimes wonder why people don't actually hear what a talk show host is saying. Because their minds are made up. They don't want to hear what you're saying. Let's take a quick call out of Dallas, Texas. Matt, line three. What's the topic, Matt? It's on the Syria. What do you think is going to happen? Yes, uh, uh, Dr. Savage. I think uh, what's ultimately happened here is that by just abruptly leaving, uh, you know, from protecting the Kurds, that Turkey is going to go in there, possibly Iran as well, from Iraq, and it's going to possibly start a much wider Middle East conflict, possibly World War Three. Well, what's bothering me today is Erdogan, through his spokesman, verbally attacked Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And, and that is very worrisome. It seems to be Erdogan suddenly feels empowered by Trump's pacifism, sudden pacifism, and the absence of American troops, or whatever the number may be, 50 or 5,000. We don't know how many were really there. But by saying we're not interested in this theater of operation anymore, what our Turkey is saying, we're taking over the whole area, and Egypt and uh, Saudi Arabia better stay out. 
absolutely. It's 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 very serious with the the hot. And, and if people will study their history just for a few seconds, they will see how ferocious the Turkish army can be. Just study the Ottoman Empire, and you say, well, that was a long time ago. But Turkey has one of the largest standing militaries on the planet. And if you even look at what Turkey did in World War One, do you know that they wiped the ground with Churchill? Did you know that? Yes, Gallipoli. Yes, Gallipoli. You're one of the few people who know history. Churchill was actually a failed uh, war leader, a terrible war leader. In World War One, he was a failed officer. Right. His career could have come to an end because of his failures at Gallipoli. He ran the joint troops of the British Empire up against the Turks at Gallipoli. They got wiped out. Young boys from New Zealand and Australia and England and South Africa never went home to see their wives or their parents again because of Churchill's blunder. And it was the Turks who were able to defend their own land. We were una- they were unable to uh, put a dent into the hills of Gallipoli. And uh, these are very hard-trained shock troops that are going in there. And they will take no prisoners. They're merciless. They do not follow the Geneva Convention. They don't never heard of it. It's not encoded in their mindset. I shall take a quick break and be back on The Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. These are very difficult times for all of us. We see a uh, persecution of a president. Whether you love him or hate him is almost irrelevant. What's relevant here is the law, and what's relevant here is the the clear and present danger to your own survival. Even a, a wise liberal would understand that once you twist jurisprudence to the extent that Pelosi has engineered the twisting along with that scum, uh, I can't use the word, he's the lowest form of, he's the type that I ran away from in New York, Schiff. Schiff is the type I ran away from in New York. Schiff type, Schiff's type is a type I ran away from in New York. They're the worst kind of human beings. You know about a snake in a driveway? Schiff is the snake in a driveway. Schiff is a snake. He's the worst type there is. The man invents a whole story and then reads it to America, reads it to the world. Then when he's caught the next day, he says it was a fiction. He should be thrown out of Congress. But when you have a corrupt Speaker of the House, and as I said the other day, under Nancy Pelosi, the House has become a house of ill repute, which gives a new meaning to the name Madam Speaker, by the way. When you have a Madam Speaker who's acting like the Madam of a house of ill repute, you have an Adam, whatever his name is, I forget his name, Schiff. That's who you have in a house of ill repute. And every American should be worried because if they can do it to a president, it means they can do it to you. They can make up a, a narrative that's false, read it in the court of law, and then when they're caught, they'll say they were just faking it. So do you understand why it's in all of our sakes to protect the law? Why the law is so important? Say, oh, well, he broke the law. What law did he break? By telling them to look into Biden's son, who's as corrupt Oh, shall I say as corrupt as who? Do I have to say Pacific Heights uh, politicians? They didn't get on those heights by accident. They didn't climb that hill by chance. San Francisco, speaking of San Francisco, Marnie, you're on the Savage Nation. Quick, 30 seconds. Yes, hi. I think that uh, snakes are far more honorable than chefs. And uh, (laughs) the snake is there in your driveway eating mice and rats and other vermin. So, in other words, God putting the stake in my driveway is a good sign? Probably. Well, what does it mean? That this, someone's going to eat the vermin for me? I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope it's not me. I'm into signs. I'm into signs. I'm not a rationalist at the end of the day. I'm a mixture. This is the Savage Nation. Great guests coming up. Be here. Michael Savage, a host like no other. 
All right, we're talking about uh, war and peace. We're talking about life and death. And my position is very clear. I support the president 100%, but I disagree with him 100% on his abrupt withdrawal from Syria. I didn't say we should not have withdrawn or should not withdraw. I said the abrupt nature of the withdrawal has created a power vacuum that Turkey has suddenly rushed to fill. Now Turkey is threatening Egypt, threatening Saudi Arabia. Israel's jumped in and said, we'll protect the Kurds with humanitarian aid. And under, under that is something else. Something bad is happening because of the abrupt nature of the withdrawal. And I do not know the military nature of the situation, but I have a gentleman who knows a lot more about it than any of you do, Donald Bramer on, and I told you about his background. Mr. Bramer, it's a real honor to have you on the Savage Nation. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Well, thank you very, very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon. Well, let's get down to brass tacks. Um, I, I see this as a betrayal of our Kurdish friends, and I had a Kurdish friend on the show the other day, and I try to humanize these people. What do you think is going to happen next? You know, there's there's so many ways that this can go, and the sad part is the majority of the directions uh, don't have a good outcome. Uh, they don't have a good outcome for U.S. foreign policy. They don't have a good outcome for the Kurds. You know, as I've said over the last few days, you know, the the Kurds are the friends that keep on forgiving. We have betrayed mm. them so many times mm. in history, uh, going all the way back to the 1920s, but most recently uh, with the first Gulf War and, and now. And they still are willing to stand by our side. And one of the best quotes I heard this week is, you know, the Turks are our allies, but not our friends. The Kurds are our friends, but not our allies. And that, that puts it very close. I, I mean, I was against... Turkey joining NATO, and and I think today I stand by that statement. Even one hundred percent correct. They never belong to NATO. Culturally, politically, militarily, they don't belong in NATO. Who put Turkey into NATO? Which president did that? Uh, that was under President Obama. And oh, I'm shocked. Just shocked. <laughs> Just you shocked. know, it was a but it, it was, was an expansion of the Ottoman Empire. How could I not see that? Right. Uh, it was a vote, though, under <laughs> all the NATO members. Uh, it was a close vote, and, and he was the one who nominated them, but. You know, it, it was it was a vote, and you know Turkey uh, Erdogan especially he has uh, illusion of grandeur of returning some sort of uh, Ottoman Empire back to him himself. Mm. Um, he's is a huge nationalist. Uh, he has crippled the country by promoting his his own regime, and uh, and it just continues. And you know, like you said earlier in your statement. I back the president almost 100% of the time. Uh, but on, on this one instance, uh, I have to disagree. Um, well, good. That's what I'm trying to get across to my loyal listeners. They don't understand. They say, oh, you were on Air Force One with the president two weeks ago. You had a hot dog with him, and now you're stabbing him in the back. I said, you're 100% wrong. I said, I support him 100%, but when I disagree with him, the most loyal thing I could do is tell him I disagree with him. You know, by the way, the president does not like sycophants. He hates them. No. He laughs at them behind their back. He likes strong opinions, and he likes people to tell him what they think. I think you know that by now, probably, right? Com- completely agree. And, you know, through all my, my commentary work and my work in Intel, you know, I am a fan uh, of this administration. I also swore an oath to the administration. Well, I will, you know, to the best of my ability, I will defend every administration. However, but when militarily and strategically we make a mistake, sometimes we have to own up to those mistakes. And this is one that... I think the intentions were the best. Mm. Um, he made, you know, he made a statement yesterday in his press conference, and it, and it really 
touched home, and I, it, it hit my heart because I, I know where he was coming from when he talked about having to go to Dover and to see those. Oh, the caskets, the caskets. caskets coming home and going to Walter Reed. I, I've experienced that. I've been there right in those shoes, and it, it tears your heart out. But, well, he met, yeah, but, sir, I played it, and I said this was a mistake for him to even say this publicly. Because a commander-in-chief cannot show he is soft. A commander-in-chief cannot show his humanity like that. Because you know what the enemies are going to say. They have no stomach for war, those Americans. All we've got to do is butcher enough of them, and they'll withdraw. They've, you know, they've, they've used those exact lines against us since the 1960s. And yes. Well, the Vietnamese said it about the French. If you yeah. kill enough of them, they'll stop coming. Remember that? The NBN Fu? We've said, you know, the, the Iranians have said it repeatedly, especially the last 20 years. We've heard this about the American presidents that, you know, they will grow tired. They will grow weak. You know, when I was uh, running intelligence operations in Iraq, the tribal leaders actually told me, they're like, you know, this war, to win this war, we will have to, your grandson and my grandson will have to fight. And that's mm-hmm. how we win. But Americans will grow tired. They will go home. And this war will, will this war will never be won. All right. So let's look at the big picture. The Islamists win over the whole Middle East, and then they take over the world. It's like watching Hitler grow. You know, in in, in their world and their their caliphate, that's what they that's what they want. And you know, you have to look at the the one thing that frightens me about this is these Kurd guards who are guarding these ISIS prisons right now. Hmm. They're going to go fight, and what they're going to do? They're going to leave their post. And these prisons will be abandoned. And that's when we see the largest prison break that we've ever seen. And there's no one there to man the post. Where will these ISIS murderers go if, they're, if they break out of prison? Well, they're, they're going to go, the one, they're going to try to take back their territory. You know, I mean, the, the, the victory that this president had, which was phenomenal, but it's fragile. And but he, I, Sir, he did that with the Russian Air Force, didn't he? He did. He, he did. he did it with the all. very the very same li- liberals who attacked Trump for uh, consorting with Putin. That's the reason we, we got ISIS into these prisons to begin with. So what are, what are the liberals going to say when they break out of the camp? See, we told you so. We told you. Either, so. What, what are we going to do when they break out? They're going to start murdering, slaughtering and raping again. Oh, it's it will be. I mean, for what it costs to have a few. And, and right now we probably have less than 500 U.S. troops in, in Syria. That's a that's a low cost. Most is that true? That is that the true number? I I'm very cynical about the number. Is that true? It is. I mean, we have a very small number there. I mean, mostly it's special. But, but let me let me as a civilian throw out a logical question: How could a mere 500 American troops keep keep at bay the Turkish Air Force and this large Turkish military? It doesn't make sense to me. So a lot of what they do is what they what we call FID, and it's one of the one of the key components of what special operation does. It's foreign instruction. They are they are the facilitators and the instructors teaching the Kurds how to build their armies, build their forces. It so was, it's like they, Vietnam again, the advisors. The advisors. But we did it in, in Iraq, and, and I was part of this. They actually were. But, you know, in the Middle East, they are, it's, it's very much a follower mentality. So when the hmm. leader goes away, the rest just go awry. Well, okay, so the Kurds are very loyal. And all I heard from the ignoramuses who want to debate me is that they're all communists and Marxists. They, they're talking about one faction of the Kurdish people, aren't they? You know, I, I've heard that for two days. And in every society, you have factions. I mean, 
dear God, look in our in our own country here. I mean, you can go. <laughs> You're right. The Bernie Sanders faction is clearly the Communist Party USA. <laughs> uh, there's no question. But Bernie Sanders is the Ho Chi Minh of America. But I wouldn't even elevate him to that level of idealism. Right. Um, so because if Bernie doesn't sleep on a 600 thread count sheet, uh, he's out of the game. You know, uh, Ho lived Ho lived in caves. But, yes, we have factions of far-left uh, radicals, communists, Marxists, murderers as well in this country. So to say all Kurds are, uh, you know, Marxists is stupid. And that's why I had my Kurdish friend on. I, I know I've spent a lot of nights talking with him about these people, the very noble, war- wonderful warrior people. I'm terrified what's going to happen to them. What do you think is a special ops expert, intelligence officer, a man who has fought in all these wars? What is going to happen? There's... There's what I think will happen, um, and there's what should happen. What I what I truly think will happen, and it is the worst possible outcome. Mm. You know, right now, the the Kurdish people who who are very they have a, a, a moral high ground of standing up for themselves. Erdogan will provoke them in such a way that they will they will attack, and then it's then the outcome is just horrible. But the Turks have said, you know, I was actually impressed yesterday when they said we're willing to talk. You know, we'll we'll use the Russians as an emissary. We'll use the United States. We'll even use Assad. Uh, we're willing to talk, but I've not heard a Turkish response to that. But well, who said they're willing to talk? The Kurds did. The Kurds did absolutely. Yeah, because they're in the weakest position. Then they don't have a real giant. Uh, they have no air force. They have no. All they have is what? It, uh, they have some artillery, probably. They don't have the capacity to fight an air force that's going to bomb them into into eternity. And, and he, he unleashed the Air Force almost the minute Trump said we're getting out. Let me ask you something. Do you think, and I don't know if you even want to speculate this, you're far beyond, uh, you're, not, you're not a talk show host where you just think out loud and you have to watch your back. I don't. Uh, I'm just a dumb talk show host, so I can say anything. Uh, do you think that Erdogan Sunday night threatened Trump to uh, have the air, the air bases that we have in Turkey sabotage or something to that effect? I don't think so. Um, then why did Trump capitulate so rapidly? Why didn't he withdraw in a strategic, slow manner? That's what I can't understand. I'm going to agree with you. you know, I know, you know, Trump's been wanting to do this withdrawal for, what, nine months now. Uh, um, you know, he, in what was it, last December, he said we were pulling out. And, you know, the Senate came back with their vote. I believe it was uh, 68 bipartisan vote of, in favor so, you know, and that's when we lost, you know, Secretary Mattis. So he, it bought us some time. But the president's been looking for a way out of, of Turkey since the beginning. But why now? Why all of a sudden, on a Monday morning, do we read about this? Was this an attempt at a wag the dog that suddenly we'd forget the impeachment ma- madness? Gosh, I hope not. I, I, I hope not. Because if it's because I think this, I mean, if this fails, it could... It could change the entire course of the next nine months of this election cycle. Yeah, to the negative, you mean? To the to the, to the negative, because it will, you know, I, I don't. I think the the impeachment cycle will turn around. It'll it'll bite the Democrats, you know, in places they don't want to be bitten. Uh, it's actually doing more good, if you, if you, in my opinion, than it's doing mm-hmm. harm. Um, but you know, if if this goes bad, and we start seeing. Uh, mm-hmm children and women and, and casualties on TV, as we will, and, and the way the news is today, that's, what's going, that's what people will remember. 
Well, do you actually think that the left-wing news will show Kurds being slaughtered? I think they won't look at him as Kurds. They're just going to look at his women and children. They'll just look at his blood for their screens, probably. Blood, and, you know, this is what, you know... In one day, they'll say we should bring our troops home, but then the next day, it'll it'll be spun like, well, this is what happens when America turns its back. There you go. They'll turn it on Trump either way. First, they hate him for being there. Then they hate him for leaving. Either As way. I've said, I've said a thousand times, if Trump announced yesterday that he found the cure for cancer by working with top scientists at NIH, they'd say, think of all the people you didn't save when you knew about this three months ago. Why did you hold your cure for cancer so long? What you know? If I, what I was laughing is, you know, he, so we found a cure. It's a it's a joint operation with with Russia. We'll see. We <laughs> oh right. So it must be a bad cure for cancer. There's your collusion. <laughs> <laughs> collusion with Russian scientists. Well, I, I would say to you, God, we could talk for a lot. I hope you'll come back on the show. Uh, I would love to anytime. Donald Bramer is the head of the founder and chairman of Bramer Group. He is a veteran of both combat and Capitol Hill. He has served in the military, down on the ground, intelligence, special ops, Iraq, awarded two Navy and Marine Corps commendation medals, two combat action badges, the Navy and Marine Corps achievement medal, and the Iraq campaign medal with two stars of the U.S. Department of Defense. I know that uh, men in the military don't like to hear these things. They get embarrassed, but as I say, I'm only a talk show host. So forgive me for insulting you with your honors. It is a pleasure to be with you, sir, and I, I hope that things are going well down there in your great state. And uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, San Fran, Diane Feinstein's backyard. <laughs> well, the next time you come out here, just look me up. I'll be glad to take it in dinner. I have an extra pair of galoshes for us to walk in the streets. All right, my friend. Have a good evening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. What a great call that was, wasn't it? Two American men talking about a very serious issue in a very serious but lighthearted manner. Back in a minute on The Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, The Savage Nation. All right, well, the president is on air right now speaking again, and I'll tell you again, I told you I support him 100%. The impeachment story is a nightmare for all Americans because you could be next. They can uh, gin something up and put you in jail for nothing. However, the president should stop talking. He should stop talking outside on the cuff. Because it may work during a campaign. It may work once in a while. It does not work during an impeachment uh, crucifixion of this nature. He should let his lawyers do his talking for him. And I don't mean Giuliani. Giuliani is a motor mouth who's out of control. In fact, before this is over, Giuliani could wind up in prison by what I'm seeing going on. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. He has lunch with two Ukrainians today. You saw what happened yet today? Two Ukrainians are arrested hours after having lunch with Rudy Giuliani at, at a Trump hotel. And they're trying to leave America with one-way tickets. And they're charged with campaign finance violations. Let me tell you something. Half the politicians in Washington can be put in prison for campaign finance violations. It's only a matter of whether or not someone wants to get you as to whether or not you're going to get uh, charged with this kind of thing. Almost everybody running a pack could be thrown in jail for a campaign finance violation. So this is very bad, and the president talking about it, I think, is worse because he's only digging a hole for himself. And I don't know why he has to keep doing it. Can't Robert, do we have a minute of the president talking right now, even 30 seconds? They do, but uh, I don't know. Maybe they were clients of Rudy. You'd have to ask Rudy. I just don't know. As far as it comes to Syria, oh. sir. Julie no. got thrown under the bus. 
<laughs> Rudy just got it. Rudy just, Rudy just got the mortadella in the mouth. Well, I don't know how you can impeach on a conversation with the president. Okay, of so a Rudy just got the mortadella treatment. He just got a, a slap in the face with a gigantic soft mortadella. He just said, oh, ask Rudy what happened. Don't ask me. That's all. Rudy's finished. Look, Rudy should have stopped a long time ago. There was something wrong with him, with the talking and the, and the alcoholism, the, the drunk conversation. And one minute, one thing, next thing, a month, a bing, a boo. Well, that's it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for going slow because we're pro here in the Savage Nation. Remember, slow is pro. I know how to talk real fast when I want to, but there's no need to do it when there are so many moving parts all at once. And I am telling you, you are bewildered. Are you bewildered? Well, I'm not. If you can keep your head with all those around you losing theirs and blaming it on you, then you'll be a man, my son. Back tomorrow, right here on your local station. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>